0: Welcome to Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. We're back, baby. <laughs> One
1: episode a week, <laughs> nothing else. Regular schedule. I love it. Mercury is on track. It's a great. It's great to be here.
0: Do you think? Do you think Mercury being in retrograde was the reason we did that much content? 100 percent yeah it's the sole reason (laughs) we're we're
1: completely guided by the planets
0: follow the money Uh, follow the 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 solar pattern yeah Uh, it's all connected yeah it's all connected
1: uh i I mercury is the gemini stand-in planet the sand just put
0: it out there oh that is interesting Uh, yeah let's get to that later actually that is going to come into play (laughs) for a game we're talking about later um very very interesting uh i have two things i want to get out of the way real quick number one chrono trigger Last week, I talked about trying to play that game. Uh, I played the Super Nintendo version and the Steam version and the mobile version. And I was like, all of these have trade-offs. I got to get the DS version. I got to figure it out. Please to inform you and the listeners, I've acquired a Nintendo DS version of Chrono Trigger. My God, is that game really good? Like, very quickly. Uh, And the DS version is so clearly the way to play it. Not to say that the other versions are, like, unplayable by any stretch, but just, like, very specific... Little things that would have like driven me up a wall are just all kind of smoothed out in the DS version. I'm very happy with it. I've played a whole bunch of it this week and uh, we'll talk about it again at some point. But like, man, that game is good. Like it really lives up. It's kind of funny. I mean, we were just talking about this before the show, but I'm also watching The Sopranos for the first time after like (laughs) literal decades of people trying to get me to watch The Sopranos, like including my parents who are like gigantic fans. I mean, you and I grew up like where The Sopranos takes place. Right. The
1: opening credits are like our childhood, basically. Yeah. in Yeah. In the second
0: episode, they just like throw an address like somebody just says an address that's literally two houses down from where one of my cousins lives. Like that kind of like locale you know like we're like really squarely where that show takes place. Anyway I feel like I'm having similar experiences with both Chrono Trigger and The Soprano simultaneously where it's like why didn't I just do this earlier? (laughs) You know,
1: (laughs) Everyone has that. Everyone has the like there's some things that just get so overhyped you just like feel like I don't need to I'm not going to have a personal experience with this it's already like so cemented in history, but like there are pieces of media that will just be that good whenever you get to them. Yeah, Those are two of them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm <laughs>
0: very, I'm very happy with Chrono Trigger so far. I mean, that, that game is pretty stellar and we'll talk about it. Uh, Cause yeah, you, you have a lot of thoughts about it. I feel like that might end up being a bonus episode for July. We've talked on and off about that. We'll see. I'm, I'm moving through it at a pretty fast clip. So I could see that happening. And it's not a long game, as you mentioned last week. So that's nice. Uh, So that's Chrono Trigger. Very exciting. Uh, Playing on the Nintendo DS, which is fun. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, outside of like having played more Mario Golf uh, over the past week, I went away briefly this week as well and did not bring my Switch with me on purpose because I was like, I don't I just don't want to have like a video game console with me. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly my thought, Uh, which then, of course, you know, given two free hours to do whatever in between. Like waiting for a reservation for something, uh, I was like, "Well, I do have Clap Hands Golf on my phone, and I just want to." <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm like uh like a moon or like two moons kind of chasing each other through space trying to decide which of the two games i would recommend to people uh because on one hand mario golf incredible like i the more i play it the more i like it um on the other hand clap hands golf remains to be really just like remains great like it just is extremely good i think it just has this one issue and I, i we didn't get too into this in our like first discussion about clap hands golf but i just think that the UI is a fucking nightmare. It is yeah. just horrible. It is it is hard to interact <laughs> with. Even when you're like trying to take a shot. There's like 400. It literally looks like you're in the red October. Like it looks like <laughs> every UI element they could think of is on screen simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, and then when you touch your thumb down on the screen is when the shot meter shows up. So like you're adding another element to it. It's just too much. It's just too much. But yeah. if you can get past all of that, if you can, if you can like Neo, see the ones and zeros that make up the Matrix, you're going to have a great time <laughs> with Clap Hands Golf. It's available on everything. Uh, so I just wanted to follow up that. I don't know what it is with me in golf games recently, but uh, I really joined Clap Hands Golf again. Anyway,
1: I actually want a little bit more if you don't mind. So what what is it about Clap Hands Golf that makes it so great in terms of like sure. being a an- another golf game. because so I actually don't know. I just know you like it. <laughs>
0: uh, did you play everybody's golf on the PS4?
1: Very yeah. briefly. It was like two in the morning and I like was half <laughs> awake and it felt nightmarish.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I stopped. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's weird. because So the, the company that makes that game and made Hot Shots Golf and all of the above, uh, the company is called Clap Hands. So this is their like, well, we weren't allowed to take the everybody's golf license. We weren't allowed to take the Hot Shots Golf license. We just got to make our own thing. It's just called Clap Hands Golf. It's like everything that was good about those games. It does kind of just feel like Mario Golf without Mario in it and they just like try to come up with like equally goofy characters Uh, (laughs) you know and like that doesn't really like matter or help as much. You know, like that uh, that's not the reason I'm playing the game. Um yeah. I just think I just think like this company has been making golf games for so long and like trying to fill that void that Mario Golf tends to not fill, you know, except for once every 15 years. And uh they they do a great job at it. Like if you want an arcade golf experience that's not on the Nintendo Switch, like this is probably the best one to get. I find specifically, you know, because I, I was sitting down watching the Sopranos last night and I had my <laughs> (laughs) switch with me and i had my phone with me and i i picked up the switch to start playing mario golf and it just comes back to the form factor of the switch which i've mentioned a lot on the show but like i'm not a huge fan of the switch for handheld mode i just think it's like slightly too big to be comfortable for long periods yeah i agree i i know that that's not the case with everybody um but for me personally i really generally only play the switch docked and that caused me to eventually put the switch down within like 15, 20 minutes and then just pick up my phone and play Clap Hands Golf instead, which I just find is a much easier game to jump into and jump out of than Mario Golf is by like a huge, huge margin Uh, and and it even comes down to like although mario golf you know is focused on speed golf is focused on you know getting you through things quickly clap hands golf a lot of the like tournaments and stuff you do are literally three holes and then you're out um which i think you know just truncating that because they were aware that it's like a mobile experience people are going to want to hop in and out was really smart and it's uh it's just good it just has again like it, it kind of has that problem that that a lot of companies have where like if they make the same thing for so long they feel like they need to include every single feature you know like they can never roll back they can never like reassess and kind of like slice some things out um, so Clap Hands Golf features like every single mechanic that's ever been in a golf game all at once <laughs> um, and that can be daunting until you realize what you actually need to focus on and what you don't but outside of that I mean I just think it's like really really spectacularly well done
1: Yeah, that's a great point about the Switch handheld i found that i played it a lot in handheld when i first got it like for octopath traveler and i remember the breaking point was when i first got three houses and it was like full honeymoon phase Uh garrick mock like i i found myself playing it docked and handheld like that's how in i was yeah i finished blue lions on like a night (laughs) um i remember my like hands actually started to hurt it's the first time i have ever had that happen with a mm-hmm, console mm-hmm. my hands started to hurt by like holding up the switch for like hours at a time yeah. i mean it's like you hold anything that weighs more than like a few ounces up above you for eight hours it's gonna hurt <laughs> you know, like that is, yeah <laughs> that is not what the human body was meant to do <laughs> Uh, so I agree (laughs) with that I also feel like uh, I I might mention this later but I feel like less games seem to be thinking about like how they perform in handheld like i've noticed more and more games have like a very distinct like oh these run better docked like significantly yeah, yeah. better docked but it's still a really cool feature i think uh, the switch lite probably alleviates a lot of those issues um,
0: yeah i i it definitely does uh, so my yeah. my partner persia has one and uh whenever i've used it for any reason i'm always like this is exactly what i wish the switch felt like in handheld mode um, yeah. it's just like a bummer that you can't have the best of both worlds like if the switch lite was able to be docked you know that'd be really nice but that's not the case, unfortunately. So, yeah, I find at.
1: the Switch's portability is more like, oh, I have to leave the living room for some reason. I'll keep playing this in my room yeah, versus like, exactly.
0: I want to bring this to the airport or the train or whatever, yeah. which is like your phone or 3DS. And over the course of owning one, I've found that there are some games that do feel better in handheld mode than docked uh, into the breach was one of those ones where like I really loved playing that in handheld mode. Uh, strangely Octopath enough, as well. it, ne- it never is the game that I expected to be like Into the Breach I would expect to like love having on like a big screen to be able to like take in the whole map and whatever um the other one that really surprised me was Super Mario Odyssey I right, played like yeah. exclusively in handheld mode for some reason um very strange I
1: think Breath of the Wild I also really enjoyed handheld just because it was like so marvelous that that was handheld yeah you know, exactly like, that a game like that was was able to be the novelty thing sometimes yeah right. right so we'll see how the uh, absolutely coming out switch pro handles portability yeah <laughs> Anyway, that sounds cool. I, I definitely want to pick up. I think I downloaded Clap Hands Golf on my iPad, but I haven't played it yet because I'm a fool. So one day soon.
0: <laughs> it's it, look, it might be up there come Gody season for me. If, if, <laughs> if I end up playing as much of it. I
1: don't mean to laugh. I don't, that came off rude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I continue playing it at this rate. For the rest of the year, it will break the top 10.
1: That's kind of how I feel about Wild Rift. We're like, I love that game so much. And again, it's like the perfect, like, okay, I have 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Play on my phone, like, before work or whatever. Um, It's a great, like, wind down game in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Like, again, I I think um, for the GOATI episode is really the only time we're, like, really concerned about what came out this year. Because obviously we can pull games from the past or whatever. But uh it's just exciting that we're entering like the heavy release season for games that we're like excited about. Yeah and like I think you and I actually just like tested like if we had to make a list now what would it look like and we were actually able to make a list of 10 games which was pretty cool you know, yeah the fact that like the year's half over and we already have like some strong contenders for for the goatee episode yeah my
0: 2021 contenders list is currently 16 games long which is yeah. way more than i was expecting this year post pandemic
1: yeah and then like once october rolls around it'll be like 36 yeah. so <laughs> yeah exactly. it will be
0: yet another
1: uh, difficult go episode, but they're yeah. always fun to do.
0: We said, I, I remember, I remember us having this conversation a while ago, but, you know, going into this year and our expectations of what we wanted and whatever. I, I think one of the things that you and I talked about a lot was, you know, a lot of the larger companies were the ones who were having problems working remotely and, you know, uh, just like getting their games out on the schedules that they had hoped for. And we thought that like indies were re- like this was going to be a big year for indies. And I think what we found is that just both are true. Like just <laughs> both are. Well, I mean, sorry, both are true. In that triple A's are still happening in a very big way, um, right? And it's a huge year for indies. I mean, you and I just went through this big list this week of a whole bunch of indie games we were excited about coming out this year, which is like great. There's like one come out in two weeks. I think you and I are fucking amped on. What is that one called? Chris Tales.
1: Chris Tales, a modern take on Chrono Trigger. That's all you had to
0: tell me. Which, like, again, weird cosmic thing. I start playing Chrono Trigger, and then (laughs) four days later, I find a game that's a modern equivalent.
1: We are ruled by the planets, Brendan. I don't know how much clearer I can make this.
0: Yeah. Anyway, let's get into something. Less cosmic and weird. <laughs> Tell me about Scarlet Nexus, the game you've been playing that I held off on buying. Yeah, because I wanted I wanted to hear this segment before I before I went out and purchased it for my Xbox Series S.
1: 2021 new game alert. Uh, AJ, choose a sound. Whatever whatever that phrase means to you. Bum, choose a bum, sound. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlet Nexus was a game that was announced. I think at like one of the early like xbox series showcases yeah and i remember being like that looks cool like i like the design of it but i have no idea what it is and i instantly forgot about it Mm. and then it recently came out like a couple weeks ago right yeah at the time of this recording i think
0: it's like two weeks ago now
1: and uh i saw some reviews for it full disclosure i try i try to avoid reviews if it's a game that i'm planning on getting I'll, i'll read them you know once i'm like at least a few hours in or after the fact but for games that I'm like kind of curious about, I definitely will want like other opinions. And this game seems to be getting like pretty lukewarm reviews overall. There's some people that are more critical, some that are, you know, more positive. And then there are like two people that like love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I always get excited by that, where I'm like, as long as this game is like hitting a seven and there's like one person who's like, this is so worth your time. Yeah. I'm very into that. So. I picked it up. Um, It is developed by uh, a Bandai Namco. I think there's some crossover between some of the people that worked on the Tales series and some people that worked on Code Vein, which was like Namco's take on Dark Souls, but like anime vampires. It wasn't very good, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But I picked up Scarlet Nexus and I am adding my voice to the choir of two people who love this game. Oh, Okay. But with like a million caveats, so it's one of these fun sections where like pretty much every critique of this game is true. It just depends on how much that affects you. That's Mm. really like the the best way I can say. How willing are you to put up with it? How willing are you to let go and accept the term brain punk as a new (laughs) genre? Is really the like if you if you hear brain punk and however you feel immediately after that is how much you will enjoy Scarlet Nexus. I'm gonna enjoy Scarlet Nexus a lot then. I think you will love it so here's here's the thing what what is it i would say it shares a lot in common with a lot of platinum games there's definitely a lot of near flavor especially in the environments like whenever you go to a new setting it's almost introduced just like near automata where there's like a few shots and then like a the font even looks similar where like the name of the place will kind of fade in and it's it's a kind of hack and slash real-time RPG, but the emphasis is on, like, psychic powers. So the framing device is uh, you are part of the OSF, uh, who are basically like psychic X-Men that are employed to defend the city against a threat called Others. I'll say this about the game. Even if you hate it, the design of the others is, like, very cool and, like, yeah. actually scary. Like, they're weird bouquet. They look like Silent Hill bosses. They'll be, like, bouquets with, like, human legs or, like, a weird dollhouse with a mouth. Like, I just thought a boss that was, like... Kind of like a lizard, but its face was a fire hydrant, and it would, like, turn the wheel and, like, breathe water everywhere. Oh, so like, yeah. Really, it feels like the monsters are, like, what your brain would make up if you, like, had a fever dream, but, like, yeah. had just looked at the setting. And uh, so that's, that's great. And um it's there's so many things going on here it's hard for me <laughs> brain punk isn't easy to describe dear listener. <laughs> uh, but the core game is basically like you play as there are two leading protagonists this is impossible there are two leading protagonists there's uh, yuto and kasane and they each have their own like take on the plot.
0: So can you switch between them at will or do you have to decide at the beginning which one you play as?
1: Theoretically, you could switch. I actually did a little bit of that. So I chose Kasane and I am like probably 10 hours into her story. Hmm. And Yuito, I, like, started just to see, like, how it began with him. Yeah. It seems like the best way to do it is probably to, like, finish one and then do the other. Oh, interesting. Because I think, like, kind of like Three Houses, there are beats that are, like, pretty similar for both of them. But Mm. I imagine, like, there are clear moments in the plot where, like, one will go away. And I'm like, okay, that will be the beat I get when I play as Yuito. Right. And they play a little bit differently. So Yuito has a sword and plays a little bit more straightforward, like you know, hack and slash and Kasane has like mid range, like, kunai that she throws psychically i think she's more interesting but she's harder to get a hold of because the game is also like really one-upping monster hunter rise in terms of the amount of tutorials they throw at you like okay pretty much every five seconds they're like if you link minds with a partner you can do this it's like just let me do it like i there was one point where i got covered in oil and the action stopped and it was like when you get covered in oil i, I, I can think of the piece I, I can infer what happens
0: if i'm covered in a flammable substance i know brain punk's a new genre but if i'm
1: covered in oil and the monstrous fire breath i kind of see where it's going yeah <laughs> so anyway uh the game is kind of divided into like uh these sort of arcadey like walking through an environment and fighting monsters um with your you know weapons and really the selling point is the psychic powers so like both protagonists their starting ability is they can just throw objects like telekinetically so you'll be like hacking away at an enemy and then you'll just throw a truck at them while you're doing your combo and it never gets old like it's so much fun i'll play this on the ps5 and like the feedback for that is always really cool oh um which i love the look of it i I think the design and like the color choice and like the art direction is really great but like this probably could have run on a ps3 in terms of like the fidelity of it Mm. so i don't think you need like a next gen system to fully enjoy it at all but i do think um that like the, the feedback has been cool. Um, but I imagine there's a version of that on the Xbox remote too. So all that to say, like it it starts off a little slow mechanically. Like you're not really able to do the amount of combos you would expect. Like, you know, a near Automata 2B is like constantly like swinging around and throwing stuff. And like the game feels like kind of uncharacteristically stiff right away because you don't have a lot of maneuverability yet. But as you level up, you have a brain map where you get different abilities and like you can do more things. And really the coolest thing is you eventually get party mates who everyone, it's very X-Men, where everyone has their own power. So like one guy has electricity powers. One person is just, they have clairvoyance. So when you link minds with them, you can like dodge enemies more easily. And like whenever you dodge, there's like a cut of the protagonist's face as if they like foresaw the event.
0: Great. Oh, really good.
1: My favorite is there's a character who's like, uh, kind of like a celebrity and like very lazy but like extremely intelligent as well but she is super fast so like when you link minds with her like the flash everything is like slowing down and whenever you run there are like silhouettes you leave behind oh that's awesome it's really cool like yeah. that that like continues to get more and more exciting so it really is like like i would say if you check this game out like give it a little bit of time because it will eventually be so exciting like every battle is like linking minds that either lets you like duplicate yourself or do these like wild things throwing trucks every now and then you'll just randomly go into like your superpower mode which like you take more damage but you can do more so it's like kind of a risk reward thing and then there are also like random set pieces in a level where if you hit the left trigger, um, rather than just throwing it, you'll like grab it and there'll be like a mini quick time event of what you do with that item. So like that'll range from like grabbing a big like trash can and like smacking it against the enemy.
0: Like Yakuza style? Yeah. Yeah. Very
1: Yakuza, weirdly. Or my favorite was you just jump on top of a truck and like guide it as it plows into enemies and then like it explodes. Oh my really?
0: God. Yeah, this sounds awesome.
1: This honestly, like, is. I don't I
0: don't know what's causing me to make this link in my head, but it feels a lot like what I wished Astral Chain turned into. As I as I gave it more time. Exactly. Yeah. Yes,
1: it, it, it feels like that a lot. I mean, they're both kind of going for sort of like I mean, there's a lot of influence here. Like there's Evangelion in the sense of like having this like you know command unit against like an ethereal threat and there's obviously more going on underneath the surface Mm -hmm. but really especially in the beginning hours what i found really kind of surprising about this game is that it's extremely goofy like i'm now at a point in the plot where like it's getting higher stakes and taking itself more seriously which is like kind of hit and miss to be honest i'll get more on that later but like the beginning of the game felt like very like oddly like cheerful and like Mm. really fun which i think really worked against the like kind of higher stakes cosmic setting yeah and i think what i'm really liking about it too so the combat i think is great i think once it like once all the pieces are there and i understand why the tutorials are there because they kind of have to set you up in that way like you could have got rid of the oil one but (laughs) i get it because like there are a lot of things where if you had the ability to like link two mines at once right away it would be overwhelming whereas like the slow drip of it actually ends up paying off i think so that's awesome but then the other part of it weirdly is very persona where eventually you get like a hideout where you and your teammates hang out and you can give them gifts to raise your bond level with them which will
0: eventually unlock bond scenes where like sorry uh, i really i really like dissociated for a second and thought that james bond was part of this (laughs) i know i know what you meant i mean that oh my god all right yeah sorry (laughs) it's okay um, raise your so bond anyway, level oh my your god bond level, right. yeah
1: your 007 golden eye
0: uh anyway that's it's not, um, not even funny that's just where my brain <laughs> went from lack of sleep from watching too much sopranos it's totally fine
1: uh, but anyway <laughs> you raise your bond level with these characters and similar to like persona or three houses there will be a little scene that plays out and then as a result of that your psychic powers will have more abilities so like when you link minds with them more things will happen and eventually when it's high enough you can do like combos with that character Mm -hmm. so that's really cool they honestly really like the scenes themselves vary i've really enjoyed some and i thought others were like whatever they're really not on the same level as like persona but you know a few things are in terms of like doing that part of the game well but i always look forward to that like it's structured in a way where the game is very much like chapter 1 and then after chapter 1 it's like okay here's like the intermediate phase of the story where you can kind of do whatever and just like hang out if you want and then it's like up to you to elect to further the plot which mm. i think is actually a really good way to do it because i think that's something about Persona that always gave me anxiety is I never knew like when the point of no return was, you know? And I never knew like how much I had to rush right. certain things to certain people. Yeah. They, re- they really require you play it with a guide in that case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh whereas this, like I liked that, okay, like it's up to you to continue the main story. And if you just want to focus on like, you know, fighting enemies and grinding for a bit and getting gifts and like raising those levels, like you can do that, which is really cool. I've kind of been mainlining it, like I've done like a little bit and then I'll, you know, continue the story. But I think they really nailed, like, the mechanical reward for investing in the characters. And I also think it has made me care about the cast more than I would have in just the, like, straightforward scenes. Yeah. So that's great. I, I think that's really cool. And, and all the powers are really fun and unique. I feel like this game really, like had a lot working against it in terms of, like, pulling all this off. And, like, for the most part, they really nail the mechanics. And I, I like the cast. I've seen, you know, divided thoughts on, like, whether or not the characters are good. I mean, there there are a lot of archetypes here. There's a character who's, like, very much like the Felix <laughs> rival who, like, actually cares but is really mean. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, like, the lazy, spoiled celebrity. But it's they're having fun with it. And, like, the writing tends to <laughs> sometimes have the... The issue where they're like oh yeah your dad's the head politician right like they'll just kind of like explain things like a little bit on the nose but that's mostly (laughs) in the beginning i've actually found like the story is at least intriguing like i'm i'm invested enough to want to see where it goes but it's got some serious pacing issues like i won't spoil anything but like very quickly they're pulling like three houses timescape level drama and I'm like you severely overestimate who I know and remember and in how invested cast. I am in these yeah, people like, yeah I yeah. I just like went out to lunch with the fire girl I'm like that's <laughs> all that has happened <laughs> um so you know it, it's mm. a little bit of a mess um but I think that there's so much they pull off here and I I, I feel like this is kind of destined to be like a cult hit of sorts I I agree that I think this is really like what astral chain was aiming for but like this is like astral chain took itself very seriously yeah to the point where it was campy but like by accident this is like way more charming like i feel like like astral train i cared about no one like at all yeah here like i actually am rooting for the characters and i'm i am invested in certain relationships and like you know they're they're going for it they're going for brain punk like as it's a it's the kind of thing where, like, you try out this many new ideas and not all of them are going to land. But, like, I'm I'm impressed by what is working in the game. And I'm really enjoying it. I, I don't think it's for everyone. I also think it's probably, like, not to be mean, but I, I just feel like this game will be on sale in, like, a, a month or two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, get it then. I think this would go great on Game Pass. I'm surprised they didn't put it on Game Pass on launch because I feel like this is the kind of game that if a lot of people try it out, they would probably be into it. But the, like, $60 price tag is a little bit off-putting to something that is
0: brand new you know yeah yeah in terms of like a new series yeah can you tell me more about brain punk just like (laughs) i've i've seen that thrown around a lot what what do you consider to be brain punk (sighs) that's a heavy question like is psychonauts brain punk (laughs) I would say Psychonauts is brain punk.
1: I would also say uh, Persona 5, uh, if we're following the same logic, could also be brain
0: punk. Interesting.
1: Okay. Or maybe brain glam, as we've said in, in private. Oh, yeah. Um, brain glam. Right. We I forgot we talked about this. Yes. I love brain, brain glam. glam. Brain glam is great. I think the I think the reason they're calling it brain punk is like it has the aesthetic of cyberpunk, but the source of everything is like mental powers. It's the mind. So like yeah. even the like the... This isn't really a spoiler. I think it's actually something that makes the world cooler from Go. The city has a lot of, like, advertisements, and it's very much like a, you know, like, kind of fifth element, like, metropolis with, like, ads and exciting things going on, like, really upbeat music. But eventually you learn that that's only how people with psychic powers see the city. Everyone else sees like a gray metropolis. Oh, interesting. So, like, this is a society that really only prioritizes people who have. It's almost like the reverse X Men where, like, mutants are the 1% and everyone else is kind of left in the dust. Mm. So, stuff like that I think is really fascinating. Like, there's every now and then there's a twist where it's like, all right, cool. But every now and then they do something else where I'm like, that's actually. Brilliant, and if I'm getting a little bit of, of brilliance here and there. That's all I can ask.
0: for. Yeah, I'm very interested in this. Yeah, th- this this really does sound up my alley. Yeah,
1: it weirdly shares a lot with I think Tokyo Mirage Sessions as well in terms of like the hangout part. Okay, and you you get text messages that are called brain <laughs> messages <laughs> that are just they're just presented as texts, but they're like someone like directly communicating with you via telepathy so funny and there's like a diner you go to that's like all futuristic but it's just like you know you go there to hang out the characteristics of the two leads Yuto is very much like a you know kind hearted uh, headstrong guy um, kind of Sora-esque in some ways I guess Uh, a little bit more grounded but like has that sort of like anime protagonist energy to him Uh, Kasane is interesting because she's very much like cold to a lot of people except for her sister who she like really gets along with but everyone else she kind of puts on this wall for but she's not like cruel. I feel like sometimes that archetype of like I mean to everyone because of my troubled past is a little bit like mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to believe. What I like about kasana is that she's just incredibly blunt, but not in a way that like is meant to be mean. Not even trying to be insulting, but just like saying it out loud. One of my favorite Bond scenes was she goes to the diner with a girl who can use fire powers, who's like kind of like Ryuji, like headstrong, a little bit clumsy, careless, but you know has a heart of gold kind of thing. And they're talking and Kasani's like, so why'd you invite me here? Like, what is this? And she's like, We're just hanging out. It's like what do friends do. What? Like, why are you asking? <laughs> and it's like that for five minutes. <laughs> it's like, I thought I you didn't think I was your friend? Like, this is what friends do. Yeah. It was so silly. Like, I don't even know if it was meant to be funny, but I, I thought it was really entertaining. But anyway, I don't know. I'm having a great time with it. I, I think like the selling point is the mechanics and, and they do the persona side of it well. I think how that intersects with the main story is a little bit hit or miss. But that's kind of where I'm at with it so far. And uh, from what I know, I think each person's story, the two leads, is like 20 hours. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not especially long. I mean, it's a long game if you want to see the whole thing. But, like, I'll probably end up doing it based on how much I'm enjoying it. Yeah,
0: that's very exciting. Yeah,
1: I think you like it a lot. I love
0: big swings. I
1: love big swings. (laughs) I'm all about this. It's also the dialogue is presented in sort of a comic book way where like there are scenes that are fully animated, but most of the dialogue, kind of like a persona, you'll see like the 3D, you know, avatars of everyone. And then most of it is like dialogue with like the, you know, the art of them in the speech boxes here. It's sort of like that. But like. There will be like in the center, like the action of what's happening, and then the characters talking. It's a little bit weird at first, but it's grown on me. I feel like sometimes when games do like comic book style presentation as like the scenes, it can feel a little bit like they were cutting corners. But I think with this, it feels a little bit more intentional. Mm -hmm. I think when it's not that, it's usually a big scene. Gravity Rush did a similar thing, which actually I thought worked for like the tone of the game. And this is like very much kind of episodic. It, It feels like you're you know watching an anime throughout the thing so yeah i like it brain punk brain punk baby brain punk have i sold you on it i think i have yeah
0: yeah you did <laughs> Thanks. sorry yeah i got it for the ps5
1: oh you can also uh
0: oh you already you just got it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it happens every once in a while it just the, the feather lightest push is all it takes <laughs> for me i was already like pretty fully in but yeah i, I don't know you you spoke my language. You can like
1: slightly customize the character's appearance by like, buying like cosmetic items. So I've just given everyone like aviator sunglasses, which is great. Yeah. So like in great. all the cutscenes, they're all wearing sunglasses <laughs> constantly. <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good time. I would recommend I, I didn't mind paying full price for it because I'm like, I think that scarlet nexus is a great game and i think that if scarlet nexus 2 can exist that's gonna be like legendary Mm. this game is already great but i feel like there's just a few tweaks away from making this like a a landmark new series
0: yeah i didn't even think about that but you know classic like assassin's creed shit you know like oh yeah all the foundations are here for something really big and good
1: yeah. So for most people, I would say, like, probably wait until there's a sale. But like, if you are if you are as sold as Brendan was, like, why not? I mean, you know, Namco's a huge company. They're not like in need of your money. But I do think like a new series like this, whether or not they make a new one will depend on how well this does. So, yeah, that's yeah. kind of my logic behind
0: it. What I appreciate about what I've just heard about Scarlet Nexus is that it's it doesn't sound like it's doing anything like to groundbreaking in terms of like combat and mechanics or just like overall vibe what they're really like hammering home is this world that they built in this story and these characters and like that honestly i think more than anything else is is what i'm looking for in it or what i wanted it to be about anyway um yeah i'm glad to hear i'm glad to hear that that stuff sticks the landing
1: yeah for the most part i mean again like when the story misses it's just because like this the swing was too big Mm -hmm. right exactly (laughs) um another thing the music is so good like re Really good. Like, shockingly good. I've left the game on for hours. What's the what's
0: the tone?
1: It's like a mix of a lot of different genres. I mean, it does actually have a lot in common with Tokyo Mirage in that way, where there's like a lot of the city music feels like upbeat and kind of happy with like a lot of different like you know, electronic instruments going on. But a lot of it feels like a lot of the battle music feels like you're at a store. That's like, like, at least this is how I feel when I'm shopping for clothes. I'm like, I'm slightly not cool enough to be here. And someone asks me if I need help finding anything. And this is the music that's playing at that place is mm. the best genre I can think okay. of. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to find jeans that fit. And someone's like, do you need help? I'm like, I don't know. And then that's, that's the music. Uh, So, yeah. Cool.
0: Scarlet, Scarlet Nexus. It's available for a bunch of things it's
1: on it's on ps4 ps5 windows and i think yeah xbox one and the series x and s i would say um it seems like for whatever reason the like playstation versions are like slightly higher I'm not sure why so i guess ps4 hmm. ps5 would be the best bet yeah but you know whatever you have i'm sure it'd be fun on it's like by like a point i'm looking at the
0: metacritic yeah uh so okay 79 verse 80 you know trust your gut yeah i, w- I will trust my gut <laughs> and by that i mean i already got it so uh i trusted my gut
1: the rival character has glasses of course and the gift you can give him are just more glasses <laughs> <laughs> so i just love that this guy is like already irritated at me and i've given him like five <laughs> pairs of glasses glasses punk like, yeah yeah. glasses punk yeah exactly anyway that's all i got for now i'm excited to I, i'd love to talk about it again once you play it okay because do you think you'll play it at, do you know which character you're gonna go for
0: no i have no idea i need to yeah. learn more about both of them that that makes sense uh,
1: they give you a little bit of a bio before you pick but um theoretically when you asked before if you could alternate like you could like save keep a save for each of them and like switch between the two mm-hmm. but um it just feels like it's better to do like one all the way through yeah based on my experience so far
0: okay interesting yeah scarlet nexus 2021 video
1: game scarlet nexus the 2021 video game i
0: don't know what key that was in you want to move on <laughs> yeah let's do that <laughs> goodbye brain punk goodbye brain punk see you soon <laughs> Steven, we're back. I can't wait to tell you about this game I've been playing. Oh, shit. Shit. Oh, shit. Fuck. Um, I think it it was the 2018 game of the year, or it might have been 2019. I'm not sure, but there was a game I brought to the table for that episode. It made my top ten that I had just played like one week or two earlier. You may or may not remember. It was called Twinfold. That was 2018. Yeah, yeah. it was by a developer named Kenny Sun, uh, who is kind of known for making like largely almost abstract art looking puzzle and uh, just kind of puzzle games for for the iPhone. And And that's that's been the vibe for a long time. I think Twinfold was a little bit of a deviation from that, where it was a little bit more like, mechanics first focused um the the quick pitch that i'll say is it's like it's like what if threes was a roguelike is kind of the idea Mm -hmm. um and i like to this day like firmly believe that it is Probably my favorite puzzle game on iPhone. Like I play it all the time. Still, I think it's brilliant. Um, and and I just like I want it to be a bigger thing. And recently, I was looking around, just like I wonder what what that developer is up to. Like, have they updated Twinfold recently? Like, is there is there something new in the works? Like, what what have they put out recently? And found a game that they released called Tender Creature Comforts, um, <laughs> which came out earlier in the year. I think it was like March or April, in collaboration with a couple of different artists, and is unlike anything I've played before and is like very easily one of the most interesting games I've played this year um, and like can't recommend it highly enough just to top it all off. Um, it's also available on Android. It's also available on Steam. Um, I would just recommend if you have any interest in playing this by the time I'm done talking about it, get it on iOS or Android. It is so clearly meant to be played on a phone and you'll understand why very quickly. So essentially the idea is you are a human from Earth. Who has traveled into space to a planet where you download an app that's very similar to Tinder and you essentially just like chat with other aliens and go on dates with them. That said, the whole game itself looks exactly like a dating app would look. Uh, when you first started up, they ask if you want to turn on notifications. I highly recommend turning on notifications, treat this <laughs> as if it's a real app, because the big thing about this game and the thing that I think is so brilliant about it is that everything happens in real time. So mm. every, uh, I, I, th- I think it's every day you get, uh, 10 swipe rights essentially. So you can like match with up to 10 Aliens, I guess, uh, every single day Um, you can swipe left on as as many as you want. But essentially what happens is they just kind of like throw a bunch of aliens at you and their bios. You can read their bios, and look at their pictures and whatever. Um, All the art is great. All the art is, you know, by these artists that that, uh, they collaborated with. And just like based on their bios, you swipe right or left, like just as you would with a regular dating app like this. Um, and sometimes you get matches and sometimes you don't. And sometimes when you match with somebody, uh, you sit there and you wait to see if they're going to message you first and that, or you can message them first. And sometimes people just ghost you. Sometimes, uh, you know, you'll get matched or unmatched for reasons that are like outside your control or like, how did I say the wrong thing here or whatever? Um, the whole game kind of plays when you're in conversation with, uh, these potential partners, it, it kind of plays like a choose your own adventure in a way. Uh, where you're presented with a dialogue tree and then you pick one of those and they have a keyboard that shows. So you pick an option in this dialogue tree and then there's a keyboard that shows up that doesn't have any characters on it. You just have to like press with your thumbs on the keyboard once for each character in that response that you picked. So it's almost as if you're typing it. You have to like actually do it. And there's tactile feedback, you know, in, in the phone itself. So it like it feels like you're actually typing and you send the message. And like I said, sometimes you'll like send a message and have like a really great back and forth for a while. And then you'll send a message and like that person just won't respond for like two days and then you know you'll get a message like holy shit they're back i can't believe it um (laughs) and sometimes it works out you know really well i mean this all i think the the brilliance of it really is that like all i'm describing really is just like what it's like to download like tinder or something or bumble and like actually use it but it's all gamified um and and they use it for storytelling in ways that i think are really interesting and that's kind of the the main you know highlight i think above everything here is that like they nailed just what it's supposed to feel like to use an app like this So well that I'm more curious about what you do within that and what you do within that, I think is really interesting. So there's like the whole sci fi angle, right, which is like you're you're a human on this planet. You find out very quickly. There's like a concierge who like hits you up like right when you start Who's like, hey, welcome to the planet. Thanks for downloading the app. Uh, Let me just like walk you through some stuff. You find out very quickly that this planet actually exists as a planet only for singles, essentially. The whole idea is <laughs> you, you come into the planet, you get a visa for 10 dates, and you can go on 10 dates. And when you're done with those 10 dates, you have to decide which of those 10 people that you dated you would like to go on a second date with, but you can't go on that second date on planet. You have to leave the planet if you want to go on that second date. Mm-hmm. So that's like your like end of fire emblem, like deciding you know who you're gonna marry and be with forever kind of choice. Um, yeah. I don't know what that's like yet because I, I haven't hit that point. I've only gone on five. Dates so far, and I have a bunch scheduled. I have three scheduled for today, and then a bunch scheduled throughout the week. Um, but uh, anyway. Essentially, the whole planet was like founded and exists just for singles. Um, so everyone who lives on the planet are all singles that you can technically run into on Tinder, which is like a really fascinating, just like sci fi angle. But then there's the other angle, which is like just kind of interpersonal relationships and just like the conversations that you have with people, I think are really interesting. You know, some people have problems with their family. Some people just like want to get out of their apartment because their roommate sucks. Um, some people <laughs> like have like really like traumatic shit that they're working through some people are like in relationships and like secretly on Tinder or sorry on Tinder anyway. I mean, it's also true on Tinder people do that. But like some some people like you'll talk to for like a day or two and then find out like two days in it's like yeah my partner doesn't know that I'm on this app. It's like oh, holy shit, what are you doing? <laughs> I was gonna leave the planet with you. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. um yeah. you know things like that. Um, and 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 <clears throat> I think the way that this game kind of trickles its story out is fascinating in that it all takes place in real time. I think like, the, the fact that I've had notifications on, I'm checking it like constantly throughout the day. Like I'm pleasantly surprised when somebody messages me back after not hearing from them for like a day or, you know, the, like the the back and forth, like references to like weird TV shows or whatever that you have with with people sometimes are like really goofy. Um, I, I did a date recently. So th- sorry, the way dates work is you schedule a date and a time. Right. So like somebody will say like, oh, yeah, I think we should meet up in person. And you say, OK, cool. You schedule a time and. When that time comes, so like I had one that was like 11 a.m. this morning, when that time comes, you have to open the app and then it becomes almost like the beginning of Firewatch in a way, like a twine game uh, where it's just kind of like a narrative branching story and you decide what you do and what you say at certain intervals. Um, and that kind of dictates how the date goes for you. I had I had a date earlier that ended up being a, a trip to the Museum of Earth, which was like specifically just a museum where like other inhabitants in the galaxy can understand what life is like on earth because i think it's like a recent addition it kind of like mass effect weirdly like a recent addition to like the (laughs) galactic community um and there was a whole exhibit on the the great musk bezos space war uh that was like fascinating I like I didn't care at all about the date I just cared about reading up on the Musk visa space war (laughs) and because of that when the date was over I immediately got a message that was like I don't think we click at all I was like I agree I have no idea what your whole vibe is like I just spent time reading about this Uh, which like hypothetically I would know that already because I'm from Earth but anyway that's just what the game is it's just relationships and it's just like figuring out if these are working for you or not I've been I've been like unmatched for, like, really wild reasons. Like, somebody unmatched me because I'm a Gemini, uh, which I love. (laughs) Like, I think that's hilarious. I've been uh, unmatched because... uh, So, actually, I I sent you some screenshots of this one. I, I matched with somebody who... Uh, really wanted us to get matching tattoos on our date. Like we were planning a date and they were like, I think we should get matching tattoos. And I was like, do you ask everybody that you match with to get matching tattoos like immediately on the first date?" And they were like, you're not impulsive enough for me. I'm out. And then bailed. I was like that. That was a very reasonable question to ask. (laughs) I haven't even said yes or no yet. I'm just wondering if this is a thing you do. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I, you know, beyond being probably true to life, I should be clear. I've never used an app like this. I've never used Tinder. Like, I don't know what that world is like, really. But I have to imagine that this is very true to life, at least based on what I've heard from <laughs> friends who use apps like this. Sure. This yeah. is very much what it sounds like. Uh, and I'm having a am having a great time with it. Um, there, there are some like really interesting kind of evolving stories that happen. There was this one instance where I was having a conversation with a couple who was like on tender together and they were like looking for a third. And I was like, you know whatever, like I'm, I'm into it. Let me like check it out. And I was having a conversation with them and then they just like stopped responding to me for a while. And then like a day or two later, I was like swiping left and right. Cause I had, you know, my, my options again for the next day. And I found one of the two of them by themselves. They had their own profile now, and it was like recently oh. single, like looking for like a monogamous thing. And I I swiped right, and then we just had a whole conversation that was like not even like us planning to meet up or whatever, but it was like me kind of reconnecting with this person, and being like, "What happened? Like you guys seemed so great together. Like I don't understand, you know, what this breakdown was here." And just like talking about the relationship and just like kind of getting them through that. And like those conversations are so rewarding and so interesting to have, and so yeah. dynamic in ways that I like super wasn't expecting because I I had an idea of what I thought this game was going to try and tackle and it ends up being much more like joyous and also the exact opposite much more like brutal at times than I was expecting Mm. so that would that would be my like one big caveat I think Um, you know if this sounds interesting to you I highly recommend checking it out just know that like some of the conversations will go in ways that like probably deserve like trigger warnings even um, yeah because it it can get pretty heavy but that said the overall experience and the overall package of it I'm very interested in and from what I understand when you're done with your 10 dates and you pick somebody and it like works out or it doesn't based on how your date went and how your subsequent conversations with them after your date went and things like that you have you get kicked off the planet essentially you know the, the, the the company that runs the planet or whatever is like all right you're out of here you can come back and you have to apply for a new visa and that kind of resets the game and then allows you to like match with new people and try it all again and like plan 10 more dates and uh yeah it's great tender creature comforts came out this year easily one of the most interesting games I played this year. Another situation where I'll be very surprised if I don't talk about it again towards the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I really want to play it. You send me the link to get it and I think I, I will shortly after this.
0: Yeah, I think it's like
1: two bucks. Yeah, this is this is a big us selling each other on games episode. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you, you bought Scarlet Nexus in real time. That was very brain punk of you. Um, <laughs> it sounds amazing. I, I'm really excited to check it out. I think, too, like like you said, using because there, there are a lot of games that have adopted to the like tinder style mechanics like there's uh democratic socialism simulator reigns yeah a lot of games have done that like quick decision making but it sounds like like you said this is really like how can we tell a story through this in a way that isn't just about even the dates themselves but like just connecting with these people actually
0: yeah and i i think i think taking that style of um of like screen interaction user interaction and not trying to abstract it out into being a story about like running a kingdom or whatever but just being like no I don't know. you're you're just doing the thing you expect yeah you're just matching with people and going on dates i think it's really cool it's a really interesting idea um and it is like it's just trying so much stuff and all of it works and that's the thing yeah. i'm most surprised by is like how well it all works i mean even even situations where like somebody will show up and you're just immediately like oh my god um no like definitely not <laughs> you know like there there are a couple profiles where i've screenshotted them and like sent them to my friends and been like can you imagine you know and they and they're like i'm on these apps like i don't have to imagine this is just what people are like <laughs> i'm on this planet man yeah uh,
1: that's so funny i w- from the screenshots you sent me i also love the like alien design they're so fun
0: yeah um, the art is so good and and yeah. what i'm trying to figure out there are a lot of There are a lot of uh, characters who don't have profile photos, and I'm wondering if that's just like they're working on it and they're like patching it in or if it's on purpose that they don't have profile photos. It's just like when you meet them, it's a it'll be a surprise. Yeah um very interested in that so I, i've made sure to like match a couple that didn't have profile photos because at first i was just saying no to all of them it's like oh you were too lazy to upload a profile photo like come on <laughs> get to it and then i was and then i had a moment where i was like oh wait this is a video game they might just like not have finished the art for this yet um and then i and then i felt mean so i i swiped right on a couple Haven't it heard back super though
1: immersive in her back yeah Maybe because you're a Gemini. Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe it happened a lot. Or is that just
0: a one time thing? That was just a one time thing for, that, for gotcha. that specific character. But yeah, I, I had, I had uh, one instance where um, somebody messaged me uh, like they, they were like, Oh, I'm, I'm at a party and I'm like hiding in the bathroom, but I just like swiped right. And you know, I I'll, I'll get back to you later. I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. And then they got back to me later. They were like, you wouldn't believe the party I was at. And then just like a whole wall of text just about like, how <laughs> cool they were and how cool their party was was and what I love is that like I could I could have responded and all the responses are like yeah you should take me out to one of these parties or whatever but I was like I can't believe this situation and just immediately unmatch them because like you can also <laughs> unmatch them I love it I think it's great that's incredible yeah this this sounds amazing I'm gonna get
1: it creature comforts tender uh, you can
0: get it on your phone and you should but also you know if you don't want to like you you can get it on Steam. I, I, I encourage getting it on mobile, but it's available. Yeah, on Steam. it
1: sounds like it was made with mobile in mind. Mm-hmm. I have
0: a quick game to, to
1: uh, shout out in this middle section, if you don't mind. Yeah. So kind of inspired by, uh, again, this sort of uh, Game Boy Advance renaissance. We recently did an episode about the Game Boy Advance like library overall. And one of the games that came up, I think, as an honorable mention, was Mega Man Battle Network.
0: Yeah, that whole series. Yeah, the
1: whole series, which was a game that I like couldn't really get into, but like kind of appreciated. And I know there's like a very devout following for it. You discovered that like there's a very much like a live like esports scene for those games um and then recently i think you discovered a a game on switch i think it's on a couple other things too definitely on steam yeah to be clear a lot of
0: people sent this to me like a lot of people were like oh because i because i specifically mentioned that episode i think like i'm surprised more people haven't tried to recreate something like this because it feels ripe for like a Like Stardew Valley exists because Harvest Moon was going a certain direction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pick your franchise that has ended and somebody else is keeping it alive. It was shocking to me that nobody had tried to make another thing like Mega Man Battle Network. And then a lot of people responded and said, hey, you should check this game out.
1: Right. So the game is one step from Eden. It's on the Switch, PS4, uh, Windows, Linux and Mac Macintosh operating oh. system.
0: Steve Jobs <laughs> presents the Macintosh operating system.
1: That's so funny when I'm reading stuff. I don't say how I normally <laughs> would talk. It is on the Macintosh operating system. Wow. Do not capitalize operating or systems. Anyway, one step from Eden it's a deck builder rogue lights take on the Mega Man Battle Network combat. Um, Which, again, I didn't really resonate with, but I'm like, I'm open to trying out this like kind of modern interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. And I've got it on Switch. Uh, I will say going back to our uh, conversation about handheld versus docked. For whatever reason, uh, this game, like, should be, like, the definitive handheld game because it's so, like, kind of made for that in mind. Yeah. And I have played it a lot handheld. But for whatever reason, it runs, like, significantly better docked. Ah. Like, th- it's one of those games where there's a lot happening on the screen. And if you have it handheld, like, it will get kind of framey and laggy mm-hmm. and, like, in a game like this it's noticeable like I don't normally comment on that stuff but yeah
0: I, I yeah you and I are pretty forgiving about that kind of stuff I, I we, yeah. we generally wouldn't bring it up unless it was like really noticeable
1: um that being said I really like this game I'm very surprised because mm. like it was this is just a total like impulse I'll check this out I watched the trailer and I liked the Pixar and I really like the music it's just incredible um there's like fiddles coming in left and right like so many instruments oh, it's just, yeah. like yeah it's great and the art is really fun uh, you know the character design is is fun. Uh, Basically, there are like A handful of characters you can play as in the beginning. There's only one available. And every character also has like a different deck, I guess. So like um, the starting character is like a magical scientist who is like sort of the balanced character. Mm -hmm. And she has a number of different spells. And basically how the game works is sort of like a grid, I guess, like four by 12, maybe. I'm not quite sure the dimension, but like it's longer than it is, you know, wide and uh, or I guess the opposite. Um, You get it. You play Battle Network,
0: right? I think it's four by eight, right? It's yeah, that yeah. makes more sense.
1: Um, but, you know, you're on one side, the enemy's on the other. And as your character, you're, like, navigating in real time on this grid. And in the bottom left of the screen, there's, like, your mana meter building up over time. And then you have two cards, like, ready to go. So it's A and B. And you can also hit the left trigger to shuffle them. So, like it ends up being really fast. And in the, in the beginning, I struggle to like really even know what I was doing because I'm like, I don't have the like memory of like what card even is what. So I'm just sort of button mashing. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I would say like, that's probably going to be like your initial experience, which like isn't as bad as it sounds because like the presentation is so fun and the music is so good that you'll probably get caught up in it. And battles are over really quickly. And and kind of like to Aspire, there's sort of a randomly generated map where after every battle you get a new card and it has a little bit of my issue with Griflands, where like they're throwing a lot at you right away they're like for every three shields get two flow flow is anchoring when you're anchoring use flow i, mean, I don't know what any of this means yeah. yet. like let me build up to that a little bit because they're throwing like 100 bolded words on cards yeah, yeah. <laughs> That being said, I feel like this game is probably made for like the fandom of Mega Man Battle Network, who would probably have an easier time grasping a lot of this right Mm -hmm. away. So the onboarding process isn't great. But that being said, like once you get a few runs in, I think they're so quick and the rate of progression is like... Fast enough that, like, I have, like, really gotten more and more into it. So every, like, beat of the journey, you get a new card or a new artifact that kind of are, like, lingering passive bonuses. And then at the end of the, like area or world there's a boss character i believe all the bosses are like the other characters you'll eventually unlock Mm -hmm. and interestingly enough there's this mechanic where after you beat the boss fight you can spare them or kill them and if you if you kill them uh you get like an artifact and i think more experience but if you spare them they will like randomly show up in future areas to help you out
0: oh that's nice which
1: just seems like the better move and from what i know like the end the story's pretty light but there's like a different ending depending on if you've spared or or killed the bosses which like to be honest, I don't really need that. Like, it's an interesting mechanic. I think it works like on a gameplay level, but I I don't like know what the plot is. So I feel like it's going for this almost like Undertale vibe in moments where I just don't feel that because I don't know who these characters are. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I do think it's an interesting idea, and I think that's sort of like in most runs it'll be like okay, I can afford to spare this character or not, and like what are the trade offs there? So that. That's at least interesting. Yeah,
0: I I could see a situation where like, again, I haven't played this game, but uh, I I could see a situation where like early in a run, it might actually make a lot of sense to kill the person and like get that experience or whatever the reward is like really early on because you really need it. Um, And then the further end you get in a run is like, you know, I, I have a pretty good deck built up at this point like maybe i don't need whatever that artifact is going to be
1: so i i found that my interest in the game kind of grew as i got a couple more characters yeah. which takes a bit so like you know after every run you'll accumulate like the the rogue light elements or like you will level up overall and that will add more cards to your run mm-hmm. and also you know you might unlock more artifacts you can get and eventually new characters so i also unlocked like the starting character i now have two decks for so her first deck is like kind of balanced you know There are like four kind of advertised synergies to work around like there are four bolded terms that like Mm -hmm. i imagine you can work what i've really enjoyed is there are cards that will like break the blocks in the grid that makes it harder for the enemy to move around that's one of
0: my favorite things in Mega Man battle network too yeah, yeah
1: so I, I built a lot of decks around that um and also a lot of poison uh, and frost
0: yeah. you know I me mean. oh yeah anyway
1: the other deck the starting character has is really interesting because in the original deck her you know she has all these spells and her main weapon is like you're holding zr and you're just shooting like kind of a bullet hell like doing like small damage constantly so the way it plays with her initially is like You're moving around constantly attacking and then just like summoning spells when they pop up the other deck her her weapon is just slowing down time so what that transforms the game into is like really thinking more about all right what spells can i use where and how are they going to work because like the first deck is very much a kind of arcadey almost button masher and the second one is very much like you've got to actually know what these cards do Mm. and when to shuffle and there are even decks that are built around like when you shuffle you'll get a boost to some stat really cool there's a lot like even though it's a lot of ideas they're all very well thought out so like once you actually know what's happening you'll have a great time uh the other two characters i've unlocked one has a shield so like her attack is like deflecting things back at the enemy um but otherwise like not a lot of offensive abilities so i I really go full poison with her because i'm like okay i want to focus on survivability and like lingering damage and i can block everything else and then i got another character who's this like a dude with a giant gun like mercenary and like with him i just you can like make cover to hide behind and then i just like blow up the grid it's great that's great Um, yeah see all the characters feel like really unique i i think um you know the like spare or or defeat mechanic is like a little out of place, if I'm being honest. Like, it's not heavy. Like, they don't, like, make you feel really bad. But, like, I do know, like, the ending is, like, kind of darker if you go down that path. Which, like, is a fun touch, I guess.
0: But um, also, if it's a it, roguelike, you're going to get to the ending more than once. Like, that's the idea, Exactly,
1: right? yeah. And, and and the like, the story is, like, very quick cutscenes, you know, here and there. So... But yeah, I would recommend it. If you liked Mega Man Battle Network, I imagine this is like a dream come true. And as someone who like couldn't really get into it, I'm actually enjoying this way more. So That's I great. really like it. Yeah. I would say switch is a great place to play it the handheld caveat aside but i also think like you know probably pc or wherever really i haven't played the ps4 version but i imagine it's fine there too
0: yeah i i was really really considering this and then ended up uh bailing on it just because i had so much other stuff that i was playing at the same time um specifically like i i i pulled the trigger on um Ender Lilies, which is a game that I've seen a bunch of people talking about recently and I've and heard a bunch about um, essentially just like a well silk songs not coming anytime soon as far as we can tell because we haven't heard about it uh, in a while. So like here's this other game that seems to be doing a similar thing and it's like pretty good, you know, like I I'm not going to bring it to the show really like I'm not really going to talk about it a whole bunch. But like that's that's the game I got instead of one step from Eden, essentially this week and it was like this is the thing I am going to try and put my time into and see if I could like really kind of crack that nut. I I guess I'll just mention about Ender Lilies really quick. It does the thing that you and I liked from Aria of Sorrow a whole lot, where, like, when you beat enemies, you, like, absorb their powers and get to use them, and that stuff fucking rules, and there's, like, a whole bunch of them. Very cool. But, you know, it's a game that I, like, didn't really like enough to want to bring up. But anyway, point being, uh, between that and Tender and Chrono Trigger, and yeah there's a lot going on there's just like so much (laughs) stuff happening uh so i'm close
1: enough to eden no more steps okay
0: yeah one one step from eden yeah. Yeah. One Step Maiden is a game I will probably check out eventually because I really did like Mega Man Battle Network and I do want to play this and I think it looks really cool.
1: I think it's simultaneously a really good you know, revival of that type of game based on my very limited time with Mega Man Battle Network, which makes me want to go back to it uh, and maybe play some of the other entries. Yeah. But I also think it's you don't even though there's so many deck builder roguelikes like Slay the Spire um, and the competition is like so rough in that genre i think mean, this game stands out because it's like in real time you know which is mm-hmm. a really interesting take on that type of game like usually and i think with the deck builds are part of it if you're confident enough in your builds you actually cannot really think too much about what your available spells are because you're like they're gonna work because i've already created the odds so like yeah. i might as well like just use what i got so yeah really cool there's some abilities we like throw a potion in the air and then you have to catch it on that tile to get the effect what else do you want That's one step from Eden. That's oh, and then I was gonna say, depending on where you lose in the run, it will it will be like one mile from Eden, or like you know one leap from Eden. Oh, really? The closer you get, yeah, it's kind of fun.
0: That's cute. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's a good time. I think you would like it a lot, actually. Um, Yeah, I think I would too. Yeah, but anyway, that's all I got for now. You want to take a break and move on?
0: I would love to take a break. It is so hot in this room. It was like Ah! nice and cool out, and now suddenly it's not anymore, and I am sweating. This ain't Eden. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You can say that again. Why not? Let's take a break. I want to open a window, turn a fan on. Oof. Oof. One step from Eden. Be right back. Goodbye. Steven, welcome back. I have a quick thing I want to mention. Okay. Something that I have been looking forward to for a really long time that finally came out. Uh, We've talked about it so much as like a hypothetical. And then it finally happened. xCloud is now available for everyone who has Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, I think. (laughs) uh in beta (laughs) and i also i I also think it's limited to certain countries at the moment um Uh. all i know is i finally got to check it out i mean essentially this is the thing that you and i have talked about for a long time which is like microsoft is very interested in xbox as a service more than it is you know xbox as like an actual like physical device that sits under your tv or whatever don't Throw out your console yet? You know, this isn't like a buy this, you know, buy it by access to Game Pass Ultimate instead of getting a console levels yet. But I will say is like the ability to access a pretty large chunk of Game Pass, like over 100 games from any browser and use any controller you hook up to any device is like shocking. And it works yeah. way better than I thought it was going to at launch. Definitely within the first couple of days, you could tell that like there was a novelty to it and there were like tons and tons and tons of people trying it out. And because of that, like, you know, it was a little bit spotty in terms of the actual like playability of some of that stuff. But I really think like, you know, we're now like a week out from that happening. I think it happened like the day after we recorded. I think it was like Monday last week. And I I think that that demand has died down a little bit. And on top of that, I think it's a little bit about what games you choose to play on there. You know, um, like if you're playing like destiny for example and you're trying to do like pvp and like play competitively like maybe not the move yeah but uh you know for for other games like dragon quest 11 for example like that's on there and rules you know it's turn-based combat all you need to do is like run around an environment and then just like every once in a while fight some things and none of it is timing based um so like even if there's a stutter here or there like it's still gonna be really playable i've done it in chrome with a pro controller plugged in which is like really wild i was playing like psychonauts in the chrome browser on my mac with a pro controller (laughs) for the nintendo switch and that was just like a shocking thing to do and i also have the backbone controller and i was playing a little bit of control with the backbone controller on my iphone uh just using safari and like it's wild that it works you know and it's still real early days but like sure i think if you're interested in this at all there are a lot of games that are like very playable in the state that they're in right now um and if you already have game pass ultimate like it's definitely worth just trying and seeing if it works with your internet setup
1: yeah i mean there's so
0: many conversations
1: that can be started just Mm -hmm. based on this existing so like
0: that's that's why i don't want to get too into it just like it exists i've tried it and it worked better than i thought i don't know if i'm gonna actually like play a whole game to completion on this yet or anything like that but i might dip into an out of sea of thieves sometimes
1: (laughs) i'll say this though i think that like as games are getting more and more expensive in the AAA world, I think it's really important to have a service like this. that's way more accessible, and like if you can make a service like Game Pass work on like any browser, that's like a really incredible entryway into games as a whole. Never yeah. mind next gen. You know, Absolutely. like you don't need a system. Again, I think we're probably like five years away from that being like a thing people like know exists and are utilizing it well. Yeah. Um, it, it still feels like Game Pass is like not Nintendo and Sony don't even know. It's a thing or like quite what it is. <laughs> and and I've, I, I remember seeing some conversations in the discord, which I think I would agree with. I mean, there are a lot of variables here. But like the idea of like, okay, are, do we want a world in which like games become akin to movies or TV or like streaming is the default? and if you want a physical copy it's like kind of like a novelty yeah honestly overall i think that that's not a bad direction to go into but i understand the hesitancy to want that like across the board you know i don't want like with tv and movies we're we're like a week away from having to get paramount plus to watch star trek in addition <laughs> to like our eight other subscriptions i don't want to have to have like yeah a ubisoft subscription and a namco subscription like i don't want that that's a nightmare you know yeah, to have absolutely. like all these subscriptions and there's the whole conversation about like do i even own these games are we like totally at the whim of like what is available and what isn't so
0: like i was just thinking about getting back into crosscode recently because that's like just a game that you and i loved a lot and like didn't really put as much time into as i think i i personally wanted to yes and i was like oh yeah it's on game pass great and it's on xcloud great and then i logged on and it was like leaving soon crosscode and that was the only game i was like that's the Uh one i wanted to play
1: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna buy it though because I feel
0: like I that game rules. Yeah, I mean I have it on Switch, so like yeah. I, I can just play it on Switch. But it
1: is worth noting though, I don't know what this means, but it has it's one of the games that's been optimized for the Series X and S. Like mm. it has that like yeah, you know, like it has been uh, redone, which makes me kind of just want to start over and see how it feels on the Series S. Yeah, but uh, God. That is like, that is the game that I wish we didn't have this show so I could have played more. Of. You know, that's like the <laughs> yeah, one big tragedy. Cause like it does start to get a little bit like it becomes like the actual MMO it's satirizing at a certain point. Yeah. Um, in terms of like the sense of progression, but man, is it just like beautiful. Yeah. Uh, aesthetically, charming story, fun gameplay,
0: eight, eight, nine. Cool factor. Yeah. Cool factor. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, xCloud is out. You can go check it out. Um, I, I've been I've been very interested in it for a long time. I've been think I've been saying like on this show forever that I, I thought that they were going to make some kind of like Roku esque streaming stick that just has access to something like this. I, I didn't think that it would go so far that it would just be like you can play it literally on anything like it's just if you have access to the Internet, you can play this thing and it uh it's pretty cool.
1: So, yeah. There's that playing Mass Effect 3 on my Zoom with a GameCube controller. Hey,
0: <laughs> what's up? That's I think I think that's the missing link for me specifically, and it's not for most people, but just based on how bad the Internet is in my specific part of Brooklyn, I don't have the upload speeds to support like accessing my Xbox from uh, they have like their own version of remote play. I forget what it's called on Xbox, but like my, my PS5 remote play and my Xbox remote play like are not stable enough for me to actually do that because how m- I would love to be able to log in and play like DBZ Kakarot on my phone with the backbone controller from bed or something. (laughs) Um, And that's just like not really a possibility. The only game I've ever gotten to work like that was 13 Sentinels. And that included so much like random disconnecting and stuttering and nonsense that i think for any other game i would have stopped doing it but that game specifically almost benefited
1: (laughs) yeah i'm gonna say that's the way to play it not this is a dream i had like a
0: weird glitch in the system exactly yeah uh but anyway uh just very excited about that let's take one last quick break and then get into the last game we want to talk about sounds good to me goodbye
1: Brendan I am very excited to talk about this game with you this is a game that kind of came out of nowhere in my uh it definitely didn't come out of nowhere but like in my observation like I had seen like a few shots of it in development I knew Lena rain was composing it and then it came out to like kind of immediate acclaim the game is chicory uh and we both like immediately there there's so much here that like is so up rally that we both planned on getting it. We finally have, and I think we both put a good amount of time into it. At least on my end, I'm like, it feels like I'm like two thirds of the way in. Mm. And, uh, it is incredible. The hype is very real. I love it. I'm very excited to talk about it with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just, uh, I guess like high level, what is Chicory? Isn't there a subtitle? I think it's like a painted world, a colorful tale, Chicory, a colorful tale. Um, It's being published by, Fingy, um, who are known for publishing a bunch of really wonderful games. Night in the Woods is in there. Uh, Overland uh, Tunic, which I just played a demo of and talked about on the show recently. Wilmot's Warehouse. Um, They're, you know, they're just great. They they have they have great taste, Uh, publish great stuff developed by the team that made Wander Song, which is a game I didn't play. Did you play Wander Song? I don't think I have now. Yeah. I just another game that like a lot of people loved and said like, don't miss this great indie game. And I missed it even though it's a great indie game. Uh, And now I kind of want to go back and play it again or yeah, like go totally. back and check it out but uh, anyway uh, the, the, the main idea I guess here uh, is that you are a cute little dog who gets a magic paintbrush that allows you to color the world in uh, and you kind of have like a Zelda-esque adventure and we'll get more into the nitty gritty of like what essays I just left out between the lines that I just said <laughs> um, but that's like yeah. the highest level thing is like you have a paintbrush and you, you color the world in and you do some stuff and you solve some puzzles yeah. that way I think it is worth mentioning also this game was you know it was announced a long time ago I, I had my eye on it like throughout development because I, I follow Finji on Twitter and just saw them retweeting it like while it was getting closer to release. Um there was like an out soon, out soon out soon when's it gonna come out kind of thing and then they announced during I wanna say day of the devs during E3. It was during yeah. an E3 thing they announced like it is out right now. You can go get it. It's on PC, Mac and PlayStation devices. Um, yeah. It feels like a natural fit for the Nintendo switch. I wonder if that's just like a matter of time thing. Like did they it really strike does. some kind yeah. of deal with Sony where like Sony was going to promote it for a little bit, but you know, they, they had to like delay the push to other platforms, you know, for a while. And you know, There's also a lot that's been said this week. I don't know if you've seen this at all. A lot of indie developers have been speaking out about how fucking terrible the relationship with Sony is specifically as indie developers. So I imagine if you can get them to say yes to anything, uh, you you take that shot. Right. So I'm I'm glad that this game kind of got that pedestal in that sense. And, you know, released now it's on PS5. It's on PS4. You can go check it out. But also there's that like. Simultaneous black hole of being an indie game released during E3, you know, where like. You have a very high probability of getting swallowed up in the hype of other things that are happening during E3 Um, and it's been really 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 nice to see people like kind of take a step back from E3 put like a period at the end of that sentence and then say okay but we should really talk about Chicory Um, because it's really something special and uh, man is it.
1: So just going back to like the sort of what is it conversation which I think we can talk a lot about but um, I will say like literally I have one caveat with this game and it's not even really a caveat but I think it's worth addressing yeah because I would say like this is a recommendation to like anyone like, this is a game that I think like everyone should get and I think anyone can enjoy yeah um, I think you will maybe resonate more with it depending on certain things and certain subjective tastes but I, I do think it's like a very easy sell in general that being said I do think like the first hour of the game it is unclear what it is mechanically mm-hmm. like it's immediately charming. Like the the presentation feels like a, you know, coloring book of sort. It kind of almost reminds me of like Minute in a way, like way more detailed. But it has that sort of like monochromatic top down Zelda sort of like presentation.
0: Yeah. It really um, looks like a coloring book that you would like find right. like in the children's aisle of a Rite Aid, you know, in, in like good ways. Sorry, that sounded like mean. It's not. I don't mean that at all. Like it is really, really like stellar the way that they've managed to recreate yeah. the idea of the coloring books that like you would find and give to a kid like today right
1: and that's purposeful because a lot of the the inciting event of the plot is that uh in this world there's always someone called the wielder who is simultaneously an artist and also like seemingly this sort of mage that keeps the world in order that, mm-hmm. like you know brings color to the world and uh you play as a, a really adorable dog as you said who is named you're asked in the very beginning what your favorite food is and that is the dog's name Um, My dog is named Muffins, which is such a perfect fit (laughs) that I forgot I even had a hand in that happening. Yeah. I was just like, oh, this dog is canonically named Muffins. Yeah,
0: I I think you had that like awakening when I asked you what your character's name was and you were like, oh, yeah, I named the character. (laughs) Right. It's like it's such a, a funny thing, um, but I'm amazed that I've never seen that before. First of all, it's just like w- one of the many things in this game that I'm just like shocked I haven't seen before. Uh, one of those ideas that's so good that, you know, like it's 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 amazing. Nobody's thought of it until now.
1: I guess the only other game I've seen that kind of naming convention is, is Mother 3 and Earthbound, which like more on that later in terms of the connections. But <laughs> yeah. You know, Mother Three will ask you like what your favorite thing is, and then that's the the name of the move that Lucas has. Yeah,
0: your special move. Yeah.
1: So anyway, uh, it begins. There's always a wielder and the dog that you play as. I think is is they're the janitor. They're the janitor janitor for the wielder.
0: Yeah. Right,
1: which is perfect because you know they have to clean everything up, clean up the mess they made. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, um, there's like a whole like hall of paintings of past wielders and like i checked them all out and muffins would be narrate her opinion on that wielder and the current wielder is trickery who muffins or whatever your dog's name is idolizes but suddenly something goes wrong and like all the color of the world is taken away and everything's in white and black like a coloring book and uh kind of like Mostly because no one else is there, uh, Muffins picks up the paintbrush and like becomes the de facto wielder. Yeah. She like, goes
0: she goes looking for chicory to see like right what's going on you know like is something going wrong and can't get into chicory's room but finds the brush uh just like sitting outside the room just kind of like unattended and she's like i should pick this up and give this back to chicory if i can find her yeah um, which yeah as you were saying become essentially turns you into the de facto next wielder
1: right um and you know more on that in a bit but basically like that this is the point of the game i was so charmed by it. i was so in but i wasn't sure like what the game was going to be mechanically i wasn't sure if i was expecting to like actually color in every environment I found, I was doing that initially. I was yeah, like, me too. <laughs> and, and I think the game like invites you to do that. The way it works is you move. The dog around with the left joystick at least if you're playing on playstation and with the right joystick you uh move the brush around and the triggers paint or erase mm. and then the bumpers change the size of the brush and the color that all works great on a controller i think where mouse and keyboard would be more beneficial is weirdly navigating the menus because the menus like have like a floating cursor to select everything oh and that with the controller is like kind of hard to deal with
0: that's one of those trends in ui design that i th- thought was really exciting when I first started seeing it. And then over time I've been like, yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, not not a deal breaker but it's something where I'm like okay if if I had to say where to get this I would probably lean towards
0: Mac or PC yeah so I've been playing it on Mac it's worth mentioning Um, and and I've been I've been having almost the opposite problem in a weird weird. way where like all the paintbrush stuff has been great uh, with with, you know a mouse I just find that like the controls for using your stamps and patterns uh, the controls for like increasing and decreasing the size of the brush are just kind of like thrown on the keyboard in ways that that oh. don't feel intuitive to me as somebody who doesn't play a lot of stuff on mac or pc i imagine if that is like your main way of playing games that won't be really an issue for you at all but for me i find myself like almost doing like the peck and hunt for the different keys i need to <laughs> hit to like increase the brush size or whatever um but it's really easy i mean it's like you know move the mouse around left click paints right click erases and that is great
1: yeah so so anyway that like you said if i had to point to one game to compare like the framing structure of this game mechanically it would be like a top-down zelda and really what the paintbrush is most of the time is like an okami toolkit where the first thing i think that happens is you notice that there are certain plants that'll either like disappear or reappear if they're colored in Mm -hmm. so there are like kind of spongy plants that can like launch you to different places so that's fun but again i wasn't sure like what the game was going to be like really i would say if you get this game which you should give it until the first temple because that's where it very much solidifies like, as a game. Like This game is is temple based like a Zelda. The, the, it's divided into chapters and usually it's like you get a new mechanic, you go to a temple that kind of like uses that mechanic in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And then there's a boss fight, which more on that in a bit. But the mechanics get more and more interesting. So, like, the first one you get is, like, a glow-in-the-dark thing. I won't spoil it too much, but there's another one that literally is just the Splatoon swimming in the paint, which is, like, that's another mechanic I'm amazed no one has taken and, like, done stuff with. But I'm so glad it's here and you can use that to, like, get through small spaces. So, like, everything about it is, like, really charming. It reminds me to a lot of Paper Mario Um, in terms of like tone and presentation Mm -hmm. um the sort of like light rpg side of it there's honestly a lot of mother 3 a lot of undertale and, and earthbound and i'm not bringing up these games to like reduce the game it's very much its own thing but i think because it's like pulling from so many things it's interesting to trace the influence and to see like if you combine like the interesting elements from all these different series you get something really cool and really fresh like this yeah absolutely So, you know, uh, in terms of how it relates to Earthbound and Mother 3, a lot of this sort of like quirkiness, like one of my favorite things is like every so often in the map, there will be a phone booth where you can call your mom and your mom will give you a hint as to what to do next. But every time you call your mom, you see this like hand kind of weasel into the frame from your dad. And she always asks, okay, your dad's a bit more direct. Like your mom will give you like a helpful hint, but she won't like say outright what to do. Yeah. But if you just want someone to tell you like, go up and go left, your dad will do that. So I always let him grab the phone and he like manically like tells you what to do next. He's like, (laughs) we love you, you should visit home soon. Yeah, it's so funny. It's always great. And, And on top of that, in terms of the mother influence there's also like some settings that feel very inspired by certain locations that i won't spoil and also the sort of like balancing act of like a very colorful and like seemingly kid-friendly tone with like a very heavy darkness underneath that Mm -hmm. this game never at least in my time with it so far it never goes to the places that mother 3 does or that undertale does but it's extremely personal and vulnerable and does get like way heavier than i think you would expect this game to get
0: also this much like my hesitation for like a record in terms of recommending this game to like literally anyone really comes from the fact that I think like the boss fights can be actually scary.
1: Yeah.
0: For a younger audience that I think would be more interested in this game because of the art style you know like there, mm, there, there's right. there's a top level kind of vibe that this game kind of exudes when you look at screenshots of it and when you see it in motion but when you get into the boss encounters they are like it's like watching Coraline in a way we're like I don't yeah. know if I would recommend Coraline to the audience that they actually made Coraline for you know right right <laughs> I kind of feel that way about Chicory in those moments and then you get into some of the actual story stuff and what's going on with Chicory when You get to like speak to her that I think is well. I think it's really well done. But I wonder if it's like one step beyond being like this is a game for kids, you know? See, I don't think this is a game for
1: kids, though. Like, I don't think that was the intention. That's
0: the the thing. I I think I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there um, where I I would love to be able to recommend this game to like, you know, to like a, a parent to play along with their kid because there's like this really great multiplayer component as well. There's like a co-op thing that's going on here that seems really fun. I haven't gotten to play it yet, but I, I, I'd like to. But I don't think I can recommend. And that's like, that's my one caveat on the recommendations in terms of like giving it to your four year old, like maybe not, but everyone else should play this. Game. I would
1: say it's sort of like um and I would compare it to Spirited Away in that way where it's like there are Miyazaki movies that are very much for kids like Totoro and Kiki, um which you can enjoy as an adult, but those are like for the whole family Mm family spirit away is like if you're younger than like 11 there are some scenes in that that might actually like scare you like for a while yeah um and this is like somewhere around there where like there's imagery and themes being tackled that are heavy even even for a 31 year old man like myself Mm -hmm. um i'll say this though i think those boss fights, while they are maybe the alienating part of the game for Younger Audience, are by far my favorite part of the experience. And really is where yeah. I think the game... I mean, I think they're used very strategically, and they. I'm glad they don't pop up super often. I think the danger with this type of game having that, like darkness underneath is being too much of a 180 you know Mm -hmm. like i've seen some games that are inspired by undertale and and the mother series like have this cartoony exterior and then it suddenly gets like really dark
0: like really doesn't strike the balance yeah
1: it doesn't strike the balance this game absolutely does but i I agree i think this is like a 12 and up recommendation Mm -hmm. for sure not that i'm the srb but you know that's that would be like my (laughs) recommendation yeah but i think what this The reason I think this game is getting a lot of the success on top of like it just being a fun game and just beautiful and oh my... Lena Rain is, is just incredible. Like,
0: Shocking score.
1: Yeah. It's so good. Everything she does is just incredible. I'm yeah. I'm such a fan. Yeah. But yeah, the music, like everything about the game is good, but I think the narrative is tackling something that I think I think everyone can relate to. And especially if you're an artist or have pursued an artistic pursuit of some kind, whether it's drawing or whatever. Um, it really is largely about imposter syndrome. I think as cartoony as it is, as someone who illustrates like it really hit close to home i think every artist when they decide that they want to pursue something feels like a dog named muffins picking up a brush off the floor Mm -hmm. you know it's like Mm -hmm. our view of artists you know in real life are like these are like people that have been touched by something divine that are so separate from me i can never do what they do even if i wanted to and while i do think there are plenty of people that like will have a natural knack for it and a natural talent art is something that can be learned and art is really ideally something that you just enjoy doing but i think this game really does an interesting thing about exploring how society views artists you know, there are these artists that are revered and that kind of like hold the world together in some ways. They they literally bring color and meaning to other people's lives. And even though when muffins or pizza, as your dog is named, mm-hmm. picks up the brush, there are people who like kind of doubt her. Like there's, there are art students that are like all kind of like hoping one day they'll be the wielder. And they're like, we have been training our asses off for this. And you just like showed up and got it like, yeah, screw you. And then there are other people are like, oh, you're an artist. Can you design my house and paint my house? Like yeah. that is I remember, you know, I for context, I like doodled my whole life. Like I never really thought of myself as an artist, but I did draw a lot. It was something I really enjoyed doing. And it wasn't until like my mid 20s that I decided that I wanted to take it more seriously and like really get good at it and really make it something that I could like seriously pursue. And as soon as I started thinking that and like putting more drawings out there. That weren't good, but I was like starting just saying like, I can do this. I suddenly had people be like, can you design this for me? Like way out of my league, like <laughs> not even my right skill set. You know, and I think as every artist knows, as you get more experience, you learn when to say no. But I think yeah. the big thing about, about the story of Chicory and the story of Muffins in particular is like she does not say no to anyone. They use the like Zelda formula to kind of illustrate how silly it is that she's like saying yes to anyone's request, no matter what it involves.
0: Right. Mar- Right. Um, I'm going to design a donut. I'm going to design this house. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. I'm going to go teach this art class.
1: <laughs> right. So I think what's brilliant is like the paintbrush is largely like a Zelda toolkit where you use it to navigate dungeons and do different things. But like when you're just in the town, people will ask you to actually draw things. And I think it's a really brilliant decision. That the game makes you draw every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not a fundamental. Well, I think it is, but it's not like Your enjoyment of the game is not dependent on whether or not you know how to draw. But I think it adds a lot to the story that the game makes you be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. makes you draw. I mean, there's like, not really a spoiler, but there's a moment very early on where like, I I think another heart of the story is the relationship between Chicory and Muffins. Like that, it's so well done. But an early beat in their relationship, Muffins is like, can you draw me? And Chicory's like, yeah, sure. But only if you draw me. So you have to draw Chicory. And I actually... I don't know what it was about this moment, but I like I draw a chicory for like an hour. Like I using the PS5 remote, which you can't really draw. Like even if you spend an hour on it, it's not going to look good. It's inherently going to be like very pixelated. It's a little bit tricky to control. But like I gave that drawing like my actual entirety. Yeah. Um, and then they that's show great. your drawing side by side. And, and chicory draws something that you can't possibly match. <laughs> and just that little moment, that's like a really endearing moment of friendship. It, it's so brilliantly is like chicory is also insecure and in showing you her drawings She's like, oh the line art is sloppy and the colors or whatever but to to both the dog and the player you're like this is fucking magic like how did you do this yeah. i just spent an hour making slop it's such a brilliant decision to like really put you in that headspace to like constantly be comparing yourself to other artists because that's just unfortunately part of it and it's something that is not healthy to do but it's part of the journey at, at becoming you know someone who chooses to express themselves this way Way.
0: Yeah, I do. Before we move on to more of that relationship between those two, I, sure. I, I want to mention as a person who doesn't draw and got an F in my illustration 101 <laughs> class in art school. I am having a great time with this game in Good. terms of the Good. actual like artistry side of it. So like generally you can just as you're walking around the world, uh, the, the entire world is in black and white and it, it kind of moves like Zelda screens in classic like top down Zelda games where every screen is a black and white canvas, essentially, that you can color in. Um, and there are different colors depending on what area of the world you're in, which I really love, because even if you color in the whole thing, they each still have their own distinct, like, palettes and styles and whatever. Like, oh, here's the, like, autumnal woods. So you have a lot of, like, kind of earthy tones and, like, that stuff is really good. Oh, this is a little bit more of, like, a tropical vibe. Here's the woods. You know, it's going to be, like, greens and, you know, bright colors and stuff. Anyway, outside of that, the moments in which they actually ask you to draw things, I have found to be just just kind of like freeing in a way. I thought that that was going to be daunting and I thought that was going to be the thing that was going to prevent me from wanting to play this game. So I just I just want to say to the other people who like me are nervous that they're going to like ask you to draw and you're going to get like cold feet and then bail. That is that is not a pressure that the game puts on you. It's not a thing that you're going to like encounter and be like, oh my God, I can't do this. I need to turn this game off and play Scarlet Nexus. Instead, you will probably have a good time. You don't have to spend an hour on the chicory drawing, but it is fun. (laughs) if you do. Right. And, And that was. A very, I think everyone
1: will have moments like that that they might linger with. Yeah, you know? I've
0: had like two or three other moments that are very similar to that. Um, yeah, yeah, like where, where, when I when they asked me to express joy and I drew Waluigi as best I could with the tools <laughs> that I was given. <laughs>
1: um it's also worth noting you like one of like the secret items to find are different brushes so like there are some that have like stencils of a heart or a star that kind of like make it a little bit even easier to like compose certain images if you want to just have like okay i want to have like a big heart in the background or whatever yeah right and uh yeah it's really it's really fun like this game kind of nailed the painting in terms of like being fun to do as an actual drawing and also as like you know an okami tool but I, I yeah, I, I just think there's so much to be said about, you know, the themes this game tackles and sort of like my observations as someone who like has gone through elements of this processing. anyone, and, and that's the thing I, I want to stress, I don't want it to be like artists will understand this because that's also what the game is kind of talking about like artists shouldn't be viewed uh, on these pedestals in this way obviously you want to honor their work but they're yeah. just people who have chosen to do this <laughs> they're just people who picked up a brush off the floor and said why not me you know and i think um imposter syndrome is such a real thing especially when you you know i think one of the more damaging places to like you know compare yourself to others as an artist is online i mean in, in all areas but i feel like a lot of the conversations about drawing online can be a little bit a little bit counterintuitive where like you know you, you'll google or you know you'll go on youtube and be like okay i want to teach myself how to draw and I, i'm i'm largely self-taught so like i had to navigate a lot of these things where like the first two videos you'll find will be like 10 things mistake 10 mistakes to avoid making or like yeah these five things every artist should avoid doing and obviously like there there are helpful lessons within that but like it's such a dangerous way to think like oh you can't do this and if you do this you're not a real artist
0: yeah i found uh, so i I tried to get into drawing earlier in the year, as you know, um, I yeah. got like an Apple pencil and an iPad and I was like, I'm going to do it. And, and tried to find like good starting points. Um, and fa- went down that exact rabbit hole of like, you know, the online culture around it is like largely toxic in ways that I needed to avoid. And I needed like the only thing that was going to get me actually into it was just asking people who were close to me like you yeah. And, and our friends like Scout and stuff. Right.
1: Yeah. And and I mean, like there there are good resources out there, but like it's so hard to find because I think a lot of those channels are prioritizing their channel over actually teaching, you know, right. like yeah. anyway, I have a lot of thoughts on all that. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's weird because like I the main creative outlet that I, I've been really digging into recently, again, just like you after like years of just kind of like messing around with it, it, but I'm now taking it more seriously is photography. Like I picked up a bunch of cameras recently, like really learning how to use like manual cameras and stuff. And because of that, have gotten into like the online culture around photography, which again is largely toxic and largely is like, you know, five mistakes that photographers make when they're just starting out. And it's like, that sucks, man.
1: Yeah, because the creative headspace shouldn't be like what not to do. You should just do it. You should, you know, like right. you will learn by doing and everyone has different ways to learn those skills. But I, I think it's also like a big part of it is sort of demystifying it. You know, I think um, there's a great book that I'd recommend called A. Uh, Drawing on the right side of the brain that my friend Sadie gave me as a gift that I really love. And it really is largely about how like there's a lot of commentary and it's just this author's opinion. But I think there's a lot of truth to it where like how we teach art and how we view art and how we prioritize sort of left brain thinking overall. We're like, Mm -hmm. I mean, not only just like financially, I mean, so few schools have the like privilege to afford having the arts as like a curriculum. But I think that extends to like how we prioritize it. Like we don't teach it to everyone. We don't teach it in a way that is like, you know it's such an individual thing to learn that it's like a lot of people just think oh well i can't do that and then the people who do pursue it we see as like almost alien in some way they're the yeah. wielder you right. know and yeah. it's like it, it's as much as you want to honor that talent like it's something that anyone can learn how to do and if you put time into it you can do it and, and a lot of it involves making stuff that doesn't look the way you want it to and that's like the biggest hurdle to get over really mm-hmm. anything yeah. you know you'll have an idea in your head with writing especially you'll have an idea in your head that's fully formed and the act of the human brain making that real through your hands is way more complicated than like the lizard brain part of our minds wants it to be yes we want it to be
0: instantaneous you need to be comfortable being bad at stuff for a long time yeah right exactly and i think uh
1: you know, with with the world of trickery, like there's not that luxury. Like the minute you pick up a brush, you're expected to be the best.
0: Yeah. And like <laughs> But that also weirdly gets into one of my biggest gripes about, you know, like studying a creative field in general as well. And the same could be true. You know, they say it's true of photography. I'm sure it's true of actually, I know it's true of illustration as well. But even like, you know, the world that I know from like a career perspective is podcasting. And it's very true in, in discussions online about podcasting is it's so easy to slip into this like wormhole of thinking that the thing, the piece of gear that you have is the reason that you're going to get better. Yes. That's like such a yes. classic, like shitty thing that I see perpetrated constantly. Like I see it expounded upon in in essays or whatever is like, here's the maybe the best example ever for from a podcasting standpoint. is you and I use the blue Yeti to record this podcast? The amount of like reddit threads, articles on the internet, tweets YouTube videos that are all like if you're going to start a podcast the Blue Yeti is like a great entry level mic but it can never be more than that it sucks if you're trying to take it seriously just like so wildly incorrect like (laughs) just because you're able to because you have the privilege of being able to spend an extra four hundred dollars on a USB microphone or like a mixer and an XLR microphone or something like that like that's not going to make the difference if the content is bad you can use a Yeti like you and I do and if you know how to use it and use the set Well, which is, again, true of every creative piece of, you know, uh, like gear that you could possibly acquire. As long as you know how to use the instrument that you have, it's going to work out for you. Like we have figured out how to make the Yeti sound good. And like through you know, just raw input and then post-processing, it sounds the way that this podcast does. But it is so frequently a mic that is dunked on by people on the internet who, like, say that they're trying to help you get better. And that that is the thing that really frustrates me. And that is so beautifully illustrated in Chicory with the brush, where, like, you have the brush, so immediately you're supposed to be this, like, incredible artist. When, like, you go to the art studio... And you talk to all these other artists who like are great and they're not using the brush, but they're all yeah. working their way up to trying to acquire that brush. But that's not the thing that's going to make them the like great artist, you know, just because they wield the brush that, you know, that the wielder has doesn't mean that all of that work that they did without that brush is meaningless.
1: Right. And, and I think that's really what I'm gathering for the game is like really like trying to Highlight the importance of art in general, independent of like the, like the skill behind it or what we considered good. Right. You know, I think the heart of the story is trickery is going through like a major wave of mental health and anxiety Because of being the wielder, you know, I I still haven't gotten the full scope of that story yet. But it's clear that whatever reason the color has vanished is largely connected to her in some way. And unconsciously, she is battling with like a lot of different expectations. She thinks she's a messed up person. It's actually very much like Kit in uh, Ratchet and Clank, weirdly, where they're like, don't get near me. I'm just going to mess things up. I don't deserve this.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's a very real feeling. I feel like everyone has felt that outside of even an artistic pursuit, like becoming overwhelmed by something actually happening. You know, I mean, I, all this stuff is intrinsically linked and it's stuff I have experience with. So I can only share my experience. But I feel like, um, for example, so like, uh, I, when I moved to Chicago, I did more performing arts and like, like everyone in Chicago, I briefly was involved in like the improv, uh, schools. Mm-hmm. The pyramid scheme esque thing going on. Um, <laughs> anyway, you know, and, you know, whatever. It, it was an experience, and uh, but the way, and and I don't have any, I don't have any qualms with like perform the performance part of it. You know, being on stage and meeting people, that's all great. But like the way those courses are advertised, are like just give us a few thousand dollars. And then you'll get to level six and then you'll do a show in front of the head of the theater. And then maybe if you're lucky, she'll email Lauren Michaels and then you (laughs) ascend reality. You've achieved your goal and you will finally be whole and happy. And uh, and that's it. That's that's the end of your life. Yeah. Which I know no one logically thinks. But I do think there's an element of like until I've achieved my goal, be Mm -hmm. it getting on SNL, uh, becoming a professional artist whatever until i've hit that my life is meaningless and i have no value or even less dramatic and until i've hit that i can't call myself a real artist the amount of like twitter profiles i see that are like wanna be writer wanna be artist fuck that if you're doing it that's what you are yeah. if you are a dog that cleans up the hall of of uh the wielders you are a fucking artist own it and do it because like everyone just wants you like remove all the like projected bullshit and the five mistakes artists always make most people just want to see you happy and make cool shit you know and if you like <laughs> have a bad drawing of like batman along the way like no one's gonna hold that against you you know and like that bad drawing of batman probably brought someone joy and i think that's the thing that is really focused on is like you're making these awful drawings with the ps5 rem- <laughs> vote and you know like people like it like whenever you make something for someone in the game including chicory they always like it it's you that has to grapple with whether or not it's good or not you know yeah. and i think that's a really brilliant touch and i think um you know my my and this is stuff i grapple with constantly it's so easy to get caught up in these like loops of self doubt pretty much everything around us conditions us to make us feel like we're not ready or we're not like good enough. And we have to do more. We have to buy better equipment or we have to get better in general. Honestly, like life's fucking short. Just do what makes you happy. And like, if you get good at it, that's awesome. You know, like that's really it. If it brings you joy, then do it. And if not, don't. That's like really what I try to live by. And obviously there are are, like smaller details within that. If you, I think with any pursuit, And this is, again, coming from me, like there was a point in my life where I was drawing, I was performing, I was doing a lot of different things. And I had to be really honest with myself of like, what do I actually enjoy doing? Yeah. I remember being at a rehearsal and I just started crying. I wasn't even sad. I just like muscle like tears. And I was like, I I shouldn't be here. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I don't enjoy this enough to put up with the bullshit. And eventually you will find something that you enjoy enough to put up with the bullshit. And that's how you know it's a true call. Yeah. Uh, So that's my opinions on art and being happy (laughs) and life in general.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No, I, I I, think that's one of the reasons that this game resonates so well and is so interesting that like that's really not on the surface of at least the marketing that I consumed before right. picking it up. <laughs> I, I've been... So surpri- I mean, there's this whole other aspect of it as well. I, th- I think, you know, imposter syndrome is a huge part of it. But like, yeah, chicory is dealing with depression like in a real way. And like yes. it's it's named and called that like they have frank discussions about depression in this game. Um, and as a person who like freely went through that, I, I recognize a lot of the things I did I think in terms of like pushing other people away or thinking yes. I wasn't good enough or or you know, the the myriad ways in which depression can kind of overtake your entire mental state in the ways that chicory is responding. You know, like me pre-therapy, before I I, you know, figured out how to cope with things like that, um, and and learned the the tactics I needed to, you know, kind of avoid that. I spent a lot of time pushing people in the way in the exact way that chicory is in this game early on, until, you know, muffins and or pizza or whatever shows up and is like no i'm I'm just gonna be your friend regardless like i'm yeah. just gonna hang out which again like strangely enough kind of gets into the ratchet and clank thing that we were talking about with the with the way ratchet interacts with kit um and it's like you know i'm just gonna be like a positive force here i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be present uh, and that's yeah. that's enough to help in some cases um and that's very much what's going on here is like e- even just getting chicory to pick up the brush to draw muffins is awesome like that's yeah that's a huge huge moment for chicory that is like kind of understated you know but the the fact that you're getting chicory to draw anything at all takes mountains and mountains and mountains of emotional and and sometimes physical effort um yeah and, and and i think like can't be overstated and that that moment to me was so triumphant even though it was so kind of fleeting and like is mostly about you trying to not fuck up in front of your hero when you look at it from the other end of like a person who's like depressed and can't get out of bed, um, and you know, you know, feels the way that she's feeling, uh, and and expresses it. I, I think in in like r- very real ways. Any act is is momentous. Yeah, I don't know. I I've I've been so fucking surprised by like everything in this game. Yeah, I mean, even just like. Th- I I know we just had like very long discussions about mental health and like imposter syndrome and the art world, but like even just the Zelda shit is good in this game. Yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah.
1: this this game didn't even if it didn't tack. I mean, I, I think what really puts it above like being great and is like a masterpiece is the way it, the narrative handles all of this yeah but even if it was just like a cute game where a dog had a paintbrush and was a zelda-esque experience it would still be fun yeah you know so like everything about it is great i think it's also a shorter game like i feel like i'm in the last act in some ways Mm -hmm. um it's something i'll probably replay again not to spoil there's no way this is not showing up in goatee episode like
0: big episode for goatee forecasting
1: yeah unless unless there's like eight three houses that come out this
0: will be (laughs) this will be there 21 um, houses
1: yeah it's just beautiful it's i think um i think a lot of people 24
0: has come on brendan
1: yeah go back to school it's easy to compare to celeste because of lena rain's involvement and the themes that are being tackled but i feel like like celeste i think this game will make a lot of people feel less alone and uh i I think that's the irony of like when you are I, i remember like the first year of my life where I really tackled my own mental health was uh, the senior year of high school, which is a great time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Good a time as any. That was very much like pre-therapy. I was convinced. And this is almost like the other part of imposter syndrome where it's like, not only is this unrelated to art but it's like this idea that your brain is telling you like there's something wrong with you and no one should get to know you Mm -hmm. because there's something secret about you that is terrible that you don't know what it is but that's the that's the general vibe i'm nodding pretty hard dear
0: listener (laughs) just so you know
1: (laughs) and again that was a time in my life where i I, a lot of people like genuinely wanted to help me and i pushed a lot of people away but once i like kind of cleared the fog i realized like what the fuck like all these people are like they have no reason to be my friend currently yet they're still showing up to like help me and that's that's really what's beautiful about playing as uh muffins in this case who like she has her own doubts and stuff but really she's like the samwise to to chicory's adventure she's like the one she's the janitor she's the one cleaning up the mess and and uh you know making art that just kind of makes people happy one of my favorite scenes which i won't fully spoil but it takes place in a pizza shop there's a really heartfelt scene that happens. And then the owner of the pizza place is like, hey, sorry to interrupt. Are you the wielder? Can you make a logo for my pizza store? <laughs> like you suddenly just have to create a logo for pizza which like it's so funny too because again as someone who draws like every now and then I'll be asked to design a logo I'm like that's a totally different skill you know like I get that it's like kind of related but I feel like there are skill sets that artists have that are like okay I'm going to design a logo versus like I'm going to draw your D&D
0: character you know yeah. like there's a very which, different vibes. yeah I mean as somebody who uh grew up like really focusing on graphic design I had the exact opposite thing where people would come asked me to illustrate shit i'm like that's not my skill set man call steven Ugh. i have a question for you the yeah. the pizza store that you made a logo for did you also have a donut shop that you had to do that for
1: there was yeah
0: okay i was wondering if they swapped out pizza for donut for me because my name was pizza <laughs> okay oh that could be fun
1: now there there is eventually a pizza store okay uh in a setting that like screams earthbound i think you'll oh. you'll really like it yeah right and again, not in a derivative way, but just in a way where I'm like, every every piece of art yeah. has influences, exactly. So, yeah, I, I can't recommend this game enough. I think, like, you will have your own experience with it, and, and you will walk away maybe highlighting different moments and different themes. But it's also just really fun, you know? It's, like, at its simplest, a really fun and, like, pretty game with a great soundtrack. And then there's all this other stuff happening as well. So, yeah, just... This is a game that well deserves your money. Just buy it and support it.
0: It's gonna make you think. It's gonna make you smile. <laughs> it's gonna make you laugh. It might make you cry. It's chicory.
1: <laughs> that's a good. That's a good song for it. Thanks. You should call the rain and be like, "Hey, good score, but
0: I have a great idea." <laughs> yeah, that's gonna go great. <laughs> anyway, you want to wrap up? I would love to wrap up. What a wonderful game, though. Honestly. Yeah. Good episode for video games. I know that's a dumb thing to say, but like I'm just like really high on all the games we talked about today.
1: Yeah, this is fun. This is a really like all all these games. I mean, that's the show, but like this is (laughs) especially stacked episode. Yeah, very much. Uh, Brain Punk,
0: Art Dog, (laughs) Eden Core, Dating Space. (laughs) Uh, thank you all so much for <laughs> listening to this episode of Into the Aether, a low key video game podcast. As always, we have a wonderful time making the show just constantly, constantly in awe and grateful for the listeners. That's you, dear listener. Just so happy to have people coming back, reaching out all the time, saying nice things. Uh, it's very cool. If you want to follow the show, we have a bunch of profiles all over the Internet you can find them all at Into the Casta Online. That's Twitter, that's YouTube, that's Twitch, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. There's an email address, even if you feel like that. We also have a Discord that you can join. Uh, and there's also a Patreon, patreon.com slash into the cast. Backing the show on Patreon does now get you access to patron only bonus episodes. But that said, if backing the show in any way negatively impacts you financially, please do not back the show. It is very much okay. That said, do you wanna do you wanna mention what we're thinking about doing? For this patron bonus, yeah. So I'll, I'll just
1: add, you know, because I know we have a, a decent amount of lo- new listeners after the Game Boy Advance episode, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I imagine we always do, but I uh, noticeably a, a new wave. Hello, welcome to season four. Hello. The Patreon only episodes. If you back the show at any time, you'll have access to all the older ones, and we're doing them monthly. But one idea that was shared with us a few times. That I think we're going to do this month is uh doing a like a question answer episode that we've done in the past, but have it be like questions from patrons. So do like a. A fun, like, question-centric episode.
0: Yeah. So if you back the show and you want to send in a question, please do that literally any way you want. Um, and we will answer it in that episode probably this month.
1: Yeah. I, I think, again, this month is sort of a return to normalcy in some ways for us. So, like, it'll be mm-hmm. really nice to have, like, just two bonuses that are less <laughs> than four hours. Depending on the questions. That's true. Anyway. Uh. Yeah, that's basically it. Um. I think we're still... Chrono Trigger is like a pretty likely candidate for this month's bonus, but we'll let you know if if we change our minds for some reason. Um, What else we got going on? I'm going to try to start streaming again soon. I'm not sure what, though. I definitely the big streaming plan will be October going to stream a bunch of scary
0: games. I did recently pick up. We're really hyping up this October thing. We've mentioned it literally every episode and have for like weeks
1: always plan spooky season like months in advance yeah it's gonna be good already we've got doki doki literature club resident evil village and metroid dread like in the books yeah. like that's
0: going to be covered in some way dude i'm so excited to play resident evil It, it has taken so much of me to not grab that game <laughs> and play it
1: yeah that that will probably be something i stream and then i think come december really <laughs> Planning ahead. Uh, come December, I will be <laughs> trying to do another Nuzlocke in the Diamond and Pearl remix. Oh, I'm so excited so for be those
0: games. Oof.
1: Yeah, that'll be cool. I'm excited to see how they turn out. So that's that's it that I know right now. I'll share more <laughs> when I know more. Okay? I saw um, Tarantino a little bit there.
0: Yeah, a little bit. All right. Yeah. Before uh, you turn fully into Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> acclaimed director... Uh, <laughs> Let's leave. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find <laughs> me on the internet at Brendan Bigley.
1: I am Steven Tarantino. <laughs> this sucks.
0: I'm Steven Hilger. You can find me at Steven Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye,
1: everyone. bye Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening.